normal. I do appreciate you being here. I believe Father has some, some things that he wants to uh, say to us this morning, and I appreciate you bringing your hearts to attention and, and being engaged in what it is that, that Father has to say, and I, I believe it will be um, life-changing. Amen. The Bible says that our lives are transformed through the renewing of our mind, and one of the things that you know, we see in our world today is that life-changing gets thrown around kind of casually sometimes, you know, that, that chocolate pile change your life, you know, no, it'll change your waistline, but it may not change, you know, amen, you know what I'm saying, but, but when we say life-changing, what's truly life-changing, somebody just got that over here on this side over here, so what's truly life-changing is when your mind thinks differently uh, than the world and more in alignment with God, and that's, that's what brings transformation to our lives. So for those of you who are new with us, we've been in a, uh, a lengthy study on some different subjects, but I think um, you'll be able to fold right in with us this morning. Currently we're talking about walking by faith in the Spirit. Walk by faith in the Spirit. Walk by faith in the Spirit. I won't go into a lengthy teaching or explanation on this, but in, in Ezekiel 33.10, the last phrase in that 10th verse of the 33rd chapter, chapter of Ezekiel, it says this, How then shall we now live? How then shall we now live? One more time, how then shall we now live? And, and what's happening in their situation is they have um, experienced as, as, a, as a people uh, some very desperate situations. They've been brought into captivity. They're in exile. And, um, and they're trying to figure out how to make sense of their lives in a, in a new situation. They're trying to figure out how to, how to move forward with so many things uh, in, in their normal daily routine having changed. And so they're crying out to God, you know, what do we do now, right? How, how do we live now? How do we, how do we move forward uh, given all the change and all the transition that's, um, that's, that's taken place uh, in, in our lives? So a few things I put in my notes. How do we do this on a daily basis given our current conditions and circumstances? How do we do this on a, on a daily basis given our current conditions and, and circumstances? Things have changed things have changed. How do we adjust the way we live to accommodate the change? Things have changed. How do we adjust the way we live to accommodate the change? Now, again, we could spend more time on what was happening in historical uh, uh, Israel back in, in, in those days, but I would much rather us talk about you and me in the time in which we live and this question, again, how then shall we now live? Because when Jesus came, come on now, when Jesus came, he came to change everything. When Jesus came, he didn't just make a few adjustments. When Jesus came, he didn't just change a few of the words. When Jesus came, he didn't just give us uh, some new sayings. But when Jesus came, he changed everything. Come on now, are you with me? He changed everything. That was one of the reasons I wanted us to to, to you know, sing and worship with that last song when he says everything changed, everything changed, right? So when, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, then guess what? Everything changed, amen. You, you passed from death to life. You went from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. You went from confusion and, and futility into uh, wisdom and productivity, amen. And so I think it's very important, even though we're in a different context, 
I think it's very important for a born-again believer to ask the same question that the Israelites asked so many generations ago. How then shall we now live? Seeing how everything uh, about our existence, about our lives, about our position in life, about our eternity, uh, death no longer is a threat to us. Satan is no longer a threat to us. We have the victory over him. We've been given victory over the, over the Satan. We've been given victory over death, hell, and the grave. We've been given victory over the curse and everything that has to do with the curse because Jesus became a curse for us and, and, and lifted it up off of us so that the blessing of Abraham could now settle upon us. You see, God's got a lot of people who know how to live under the curse. Amen. But we're not under the curse anymore. How do, we, how do we now live as God's people who are no longer under the curse? How do we now live as God's people who have now been made right with Him? How do we now live as God's people who are now as free from sin as Jesus is free from sin this morning? How do we now live as God's people who were once poor but have now been made rich because Jesus was rich and became poor so that we can become rich? How, how do we live now in light of everything that's changed? How do we live now? as people who have been healed, who have been made right, who have been made free, who have been made prosperous, who have been made wise? This is the question that we need to ask and answer. How, how do we live now? How do we do life, right? Since everything has changed, if we keep doing life the way the world does life, then we're not going to experience much of that change in our lives. If we keep doing things the way the world around us has always done things, then we're going to miss out on all the benefit that Jesus paid such a high price for you and me to have and to enjoy. Now, let's, let's go back for a moment because before Jesus ever showed up here on the earth, um, he had, a, he had a, a forerunner. He had an opening act, if you will. And, and we know this to be John the Baptist. And Jesus said of John the Baptist that he was the greatest prophet born of a woman. The greatest prophet born of a woman, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist preached a simple message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus comes on the scene and he begins his earthly ministry and Jesus preaches the same message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus calls 12 disciples to himself and he sends them out. And guess what he tells them to go and preach? You got it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he calls 70 others also. We don't really necessarily know, uh, have a roster of those 70 men and women, but the Bible says he sent them out. And guess what he told them to preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this sounds to me like this is a very, very important message. And sadly, not enough people understand what this message actually means. In other words, why did the greatest prophet born of a woman preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why did the Son of God Himself on earth as a human being preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why did the 12 holy apostles go and preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why did the first 70 missionaries preach repent for the, seven, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Right? What, why, is, why is God instructing them to go and, and, and declare this and proclaim this? Well, it begins with understanding what the word repent means. The word repent is the Greek word metanous, which means a new way of looking at things, a new condition of mind, a different way of thinking. The, the word repent... Obviously, to repent from our sin means to turn from our sin, but not just to turn from what we're doing. If you never turn from the way you're thinking, you will never effectively turn from what you're doing. Actions are determined by underlying root thinking. Think about it in terms of, uh, you know, an automatic response to things, right, is governed by automatic thinking. Automatic thinking leads to automatic responding. 
So when, when John the Baptist, Jesus, the 12 apostles, and then the seven, first 70 missionaries all preach this message, what they're in essence saying to people is things have changed. Things aren't the way you are accustomed to them being. Things are different now. It's not how it was with your forefathers. It's not how it was even with Abraham. It's not, it's not things aren't the way, they, they, they're not working the way they've always worked. You've, you've got to change the way you think. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is as close as your outstretched hand. Because when the king came, when Jesus came, he brought his kingdom with him. Are you seeing this? He brought his kingdom with him. And so now, where was the kingdom before this? The kingdom before this was three heavens away. It was very difficult to access. It was very difficult to receive answers from. It was very difficult to receive help from, but not anymore. You realize when John the Baptist was sent, it had been hundreds of years since Israel had had a prophet. Heaven had basically been silent for, for, depending on how you count generations, 400 plus years. Nobody had heard from God. And so everything was rooted in the old way of doing things. And now we see that the kingdom is here with us. But what's going to happen if you think something is far off and hard to get to when in actuality it's right here as close as your outstretched hand? See, if you're thinking like, okay, how can we ever get answers? How can we ever get help? You never know what God's going to do. God is silent. God is not listening. God is not answering. God can't be pleased. Who can keep the law? There's no way we'll ever be right with God. If, see, if that's your thinking... And, and, and that's your approach, the guilt and the shame and, and, and the performance-based approach to having right standing with God, then if, that, if you're thinking that way and Jesus came and changed that way, are you seeing this? So this is why this is such an important message, not just for them to preach, but for you and me to preach. But not just for you and me to preach, but for you and me to understand. In other words, what is the essence of this? What is the heart of this? What, what is behind this repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? From my notes, the call to repent is a call for a significant shift. Things have changed. Things have shifted. They are no longer as they once were. If you continue thinking and responding as if things are the way they have always been, you will be left behind. You will be left behind. We see this in our world. There's all kinds of examples of this in our world. Anybody remember when Sears and Roebuck ruled the day? Amen. What happened, what happened to them? And I, I, listen, I, it, it makes me sad to see these great companies that, that I grew up with folding. You know, you get that, that, that Christmas wish book, you know, start looking through it when we were kids and all that stuff. What happened? The world changed. Our world shifted to, to more digital shopping, Amazon and, and, and things like that, right? In other words, it changed, but some of these giant retailers, they, di- they didn't change with the time, so to speak. And they got left behind. And now a lot of them are scrambling to either try to catch up, and, and sadly, a lot of them are, are going bankrupt. But again, because things changed and they didn't. Are you with me? Anybody remember when folks used to laugh at Amazon and say it was just a fad? Anybody remember when, and, and there's some videos, if you want to see them, like when, when uh, newscasters and, and different people would, would bring, I think it was David Letterman who had Jeff Bezos, however you say his name, on his show was interviewing him, and he goes, now let me, let me get this straight, right? Um, you've lost how many million dollars this year and how many million last year and how many years old is the company and the company's never made a profit and they're just they're making fun of him, laughing at him, right? But see, he, he saw ahead. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? This is how the church ought to be operating right here. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would show you things to come. 
Can I tell you the genius behind, uh, behind Apple is that, is that they figured out that, that um, it was, it's, it's, it, let me see if I can say it this way. <clears throat> Apple creates devices that you didn't know you needed. Right? They didn't know you needed. We didn't know we needed, but they knew that we would need them. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? It's that forward thinking. Well, see, if, if you keep thinking rotary phone in an iPhone, what is it now, 15, 16, which one just came out? Generation. You're getting quiet up on me. You're getting quiet on me. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus came, the point being, Jesus changed it. Doesn't work the way it used to work. Things have shifted. They're no longer as they once were. If you continue thinking and responding as if things are the way they've always been, you will be left behind. When it changes, the way you see it must change to keep up. See, we're so quick to say, well, you know, the way I see it. Well, the way I see it. Well, the way I see it. See, a lot of people, the way I see it, the way I see it, the way I see it, they don't know that it's changed. And they're looking at something that's not the same anymore. They're looking at something in a way that they used to look at it when whatever it is that they're looking at isn't that way anymore. The way to become righteous has changed. The way to become right before God in the eyes of God has changed. Jesus changed it. Somebody say amen. Jesus changed it. It used to be, it was once based upon what you did. Your right standing with God was once determined by your behavior, by your performance, by how well you kept the commandments. But Jesus changed that. Now, your righteousness is based upon what's been done for you, what Jesus did as your representative, what Jesus did for you as you, and what He has now given to you, and what He has now made you. If you keep looking at being righteous the way it used to be, you will never see it the way it truly is. And by the way, what sets us free? The way things truly are, the truth. How then shall we now live? How then shall we now live? Seeing that Jesus has not just changed everything as it relates to uh, our being right with God and, 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 and these sorts of things. But as a born-again believer, uh, these aren't just you know, umbrella-type changes that you come under. These are uh, changes, transformations, realities that now exist inside of you. How then shall we now live? How, 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 do, we, how do we now live as people who are as right with God in the eyes of God the Father as Jesus is? How, how, how do we live now that this change has taken place? How do, how do we live now that we've been made free? How do we live now that the Holy Spirit lives in us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives inside of you and me? We have now become His home away from home. How do we live in light of these things? I'll tell you what a lot of people are doing. They're living like it never happened. They're living like he doesn't live inside of them. They're, they're living like he's not with them. They're living like they're not right with God in the eyes of God. They're living like they're not free because they don't, they don't see themselves. They're, 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 their thinking hasn't caught up with the work of God in their born-again spirit. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about our walk. And your walk speaks to how you live and how you do things on a daily basis. That's your walk. Your daily walk. 
Amen. You, we talk about our walk with God. Amen. Jesus invited us to come alongside him in a yoke of discipleship and walk alongside him, yoked together with him. So your walk speaks to how you live and do things on a daily basis. Your walk, if we break that down even further, your words and actions. And we like to think of words and actions in light of our responses. These things are determined by your thinking. Amen. They're determined by your thinking. Remember, you um, can never live better. I left a word out there, a very important word. You can never live better than your best thinking. You can never live better than your best thinking. I'm going to say that again. You can never live better than your best thinking. Thinking, your thinking acts like a governor. It acts like a valve. All of these things that God has put in you, affected in you, changed within you, they will be on the opposite side of your life experience. They will be on the spirit side of your life experience as long as the valve of your mind is shut off to those things. Let me try to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go as simple as I can this morning, okay? So everything that God is doing over here to my left and your right, okay? Everything that he's doing is over here, okay? And we're focused on what's going on over here. Notice what's just happened. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the power of, of, of our thoughts and our thinking, our mindsets. Well, the way I see it. See, if the way you see it has you looking this way and what God is doing is over here, are you seeing this? I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. I've had a few conversations with people who see it this way. And it's like you want to say, would you just turn your head? It's right there. What you're begging God for, he's already given you. What you're asking him to do for you, he's already done for you. But see, no, we're, we're focused on the old way. Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days just to get an answer to a question. Because the answer was three heavens away. And the angel left the day that, that Daniel prayed. But demonic forces in the lower atmosphere of the earth fought and resisted that, that angel with Daniel's answer until... A prince of an angel came, if you will, and, and, and took over that battle and let him break through the battle line. In other words, in order for the kingdom of God to get an answer to, to us in the way things used to be, they had to go behind enemy lines. We were behind enemy lines. Do you ask how many people... How many people, you say, well, I mean, I've heard you talk about that before, Pastor Mark. Yeah, but, but do, you still, do you still pray like it's the way it was in Daniel's days? Remember Romans 10, spirit of faith doesn't say, when is God going to come down here and fix this for me? The spirit of faith does not say, when is Jesus going to come back from the dead again and fix this for me? But what does the spirit of faith say? The spirit of faith says the word is nigh you, even in your mouth. What he's done for you. But again, if the way we see it is this way, the old religious traditional way of thinking, God's going to get you. God's this, God's that, God's mad, God, 
God's going to punish you. You're being disciplined. All these crazy things that people say and think. And it's like you, they look at you like a horse looking at a calf or whatever, looking at a new gate, whatever that saying is, right? And you're like, would you just please look right there and see it the way it truly is now? The way it truly is now. So I'm going to use some different words this morning, but again, in the interest of making this as clear and as plain as I know how to make it, okay? We operate, I'm talking about how we do things, how we act, how we speak, our responses. We operate based upon an operating system. Are you following me? When I say an operating system, I mean like the smartphone in your pocket operates on an operating system. The computer on your desk operates by an operating system. You've got the hardware, which is the actual equipment, the machinery, the the device itself. But then you have, on that device, you have software, which is the system that enables that hardware to operate as it was designed and intended to operate. Are you with me? Simple, basic stuff. I know maybe some of this older generation, they're, they're not so much into that. But I, I guarantee you, if you're in here and you're, you're younger than 70, you're picking up what I'm putting down right now, okay? All right? So an operating system. Are you following me now? An operating system. What makes the computer do what the computer does? You can have the nicest, most up-to-date, current computer that exists on planet earth set on your desk but if it doesn't have an operating system installed on it it will not do a single thing for you watch this now if you try to put the wrong operating system on that computer it will not do a single thing for you if you take an operating system that's designed to run a mac computer and try to force it onto a PC, Windows-based computer, you're asking for trouble because it's not a compatible, listen to me now, it's not a compatible operating system. Okay? So when we got born again, everything changed. We became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything changed. But here's the problem. We're trying to live the life that God created us to live, that we're capable of living in this created world with an old operating system, the former operating system. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Again, stay with me. I I, I, want to make sure you make this connection. I know it's simple, but I want to make sure you understand it, okay? Operate then means to speak, act, and respond. How you operate, how you function, what you do as a person, how you speak, how you act, how you respond. That's how you operate, okay? You operate based upon an operating system. Your operating system is your mind. It's thinking. It's understanding. Or if we could use one that Jesus used, the phrase that Jesus used, it's the light that's in you. It's the light that's in you. In other words, what you know, what you understand, what you can see, how you look at things, how you process information. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. He said, when I was a child, he said, I I spoke like a child because I understood like a child because I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Someone who thinks, understands, and speaks like a child can never behave and speak like a man, like a full-grown adult, like someone who's mature. 
as long as we have the operating system of a child, we're going to live and behave childishly. It's not, a, it's not a pleasant thing to experience when you see a grown man acting like a child. But grown men sometimes act like children because they have not yet developed mentally and emotionally and matured to, to, to think like a, a grown man. Amen or on me, I'm just, I'm just making it plain as I know how to make it this morning. So this is what we're talking about, the operating system. Someone can have the body of an adult the hardware, if you will, of an adult, but the software of a child, the emotional maturity of a child, the mental maturity of a child. And they're going to operate like a child. Now, what are we doing this morning? We're receiving a download from the Holy Spirit. Because one of the Holy Spirit's assignments is to help together with the Holy Word of God, Jesus is the Word made flesh, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God coming together to install a new operating system in you and me. To install a new operating system in you and me. I try to, um, I try to keep all my devices up to date. You understand what I mean by that? Because that's, if you, if you want to keep your computers and, 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 and these things uh, uh, safe from hackers and viruses and malware and all this other stuff. It, it, again, some of the adults in the room, older folks in the room, you got to keep it up to date, right? And 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 if if you let it go for a while without updating it, it'll stop functioning correctly. It's not that the phone's broken; it's just the operating system needs an update. Amen. We need an update. Are you hearing me? That's one of the reasons coming to church is so important. Is that, is that we stay up to date with what Father God is saying to His people in this, in this current time. You do realize that what's going on in the world around us is changing. Now God doesn't change. Listen to me now. God doesn't change. But because we are in fellowship with a God who knows what's going to happen before it happens, He's not just teaching you this morning. Notice I said He's not just teaching you this morning for this morning, but He's trying to show you some things and change some things and correct some things in you this morning that will have impact and influence on your life maybe five years from today. Jesus was trying to get a message to a group of people in Jerusalem in order to change an outcome 40 years in the future, A.D. 70. I'm not going to have time to talk about all that this morning. But, but God the Father revealed to Jesus that there was coming a day when Rome would turn on Jerusalem and destroy it. And as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, He's weeping over the city because he knows that they missed the window of opportunity that was open to them to rewrite the future that now waited for them. We're talking about people who haven't even been born yet that are going to be slaughtered 40 years in the future. And, and notice now, see, for too long, it's kind of like back to that whole retail, Amazon, Sears and Roebuck kind of analogy on things. And I don't know all the financial details of 
Sears and Roebuck, and maybe I'm way oversimplifying that. But again, whether you use Sears or, or, or whatever, is the idea is that, is that retail, the retail industry has changed. Anybody remember what the world was like before Walmart? See, Walmart changed some things. Walmart put a lot of mom-and-pop businesses in small towns out of business. And, I, you know, again, I'm not here to harp on all that, but they changed it. They changed it, and now <laughs> Amazon changed it again. So um, what, what's the saying the world says, a day late and a dollar short? Too many of God's people are living a day late and a dollar short. Are you hearing me? God does not intend for His people to be late and short on anything. Instead of a day late and a dollar short, He wants to prepare you today so that you have more than enough for any crisis that may come in the future. So then when it comes, it doesn't take you by surprise. But you're ready for it. You're prepared for it. So we're receiving a download from the Holy Spirit. He's installing this new operating system. And while the truth of God is eternal, there are things throughout our journey and walk and growth together that need to be emphasized at different times throughout. It's it's like... um, a child's diet. Um, you know, right now, you know, little Elsie, she's just drinking milk. She's nursing, right? But there will come a day when she will reach a point where she needs more food, solid food, and 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 will develop from there and, and grow from there. And the Bible uses these same examples and analogies for you and me. And that those who are as spiritual babies, even though they've been born again for decades, the Bible says that they still need somebody to give them a bottle because they they aren't able to handle the the meat of the word, so to speak. So I'm not trying to act like that father shifts and changes. Please don't take that away from this. I'm not saying that he shifts and changes. He's eternal. He is true. But what he does know is as things around us change, there, there are things that he wants to show you and emphasize both for your victory today, but also preparing you and strengthening you for things that are to come. I'm, not, I'm, I'm being biblical when I say this. Something worse than COVID is coming. I'm not, you know me, I, I'm, I'm a faith preacher of a faith God, and I believe that, that faith always has a good report. But Jesus said these things must be. They're like, they're like labor pains. They, they intense. They, they become more intense and more frequent as the day of, of, of the end approaches. And COVID was a birth pain. And there's another one coming. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm telling you that, though, that, that, that the Holy Spirit's trying to prepare you and me for whatever is to come now. So that we won't be the thermometer. Like we talked about last week and the week before just simply regurgitating and repeating whatever the conditions are, but we'll be the thermostat that'll chart a course for change. Amen? Now, Jesus came to take away your sin by making you a new creation. 
but he also came to expose and root out your old operating system and give you his operating system. That's your mind. That's your mind. So take away your sin by making you a new creation. That's what happens in your spirit at salvation. And that's an instant work. You pass from death to life. You don't progressively go from less and less death, more and more life, to more and more life and less and less death until eventually you make the transition. No. When you're born again, you go from darkness to light, from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. You can't enter unless you're born again. And when you're born again, instantly happens. Instantly happens. It's not, a, it's not a, a baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes that came to live inside of you. It's a resurrected, glorified Jesus who's now inside of you, His Spirit now inside of you. Amen. Amen. But the same Jesus who came to do that for you also came to expose and root out your old operating system. Your mind, the renewing of your mind. He came to renew and recondition your mind. Your spirit's not reconditioned. He didn't come to renew your spirit. He came to bury your dead spirit and put a new spirit in you. It's different. He didn't come to refurbish your spirit. He came to put his spirit, a new spirit, and his spirit in you. There's a difference. That's why we had to be buried with Christ. When when Jesus was buried and we were buried with him, that's when the old you was buried and left in an unmarked grave. And when you were born again, you were raised up together with Jesus to newness of life, and, and he put a new spirit in you. Or we could say it this way, he put new hardware in you. Amen. New hardware in you. This is why Jesus said, listen, if you just get the right operating, if you get my operating system combined with your new hardware, you can do what I do in greater works. I see some of you kind of backing out on me now. You still with me? Amen. Now we can look at this two ways. We didn't sing as long, so I don't preach as long, or we didn't sing as long, and I just get to preach longer. So I'm not sure which one. I'll I'll, uh, let the Holy Spirit lead me. Y'all still with me up in here? How could Jesus say such a thing? The works that I do, you'll do also when he ready works these because I go to my Father. Because he, know that, he knew that when he went back to his Father, he would have completed his sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial for three days, his destroying the power of death, hell, and the grave, his resurrection, and his ascension back to the throne of the universe where we're seated together with him. This is why Jesus said, when I return to my Father, the works that I do, you will do also in even greater works than these. That is the spiritual hardware, if I could use those words without being offensive, that's the spiritual hardware that's in you right now. We just need an operating system to go with the hardware. And Jesus said you would do the works that he did and even greater works. That's John 14, for those of you who think that's something I made up. That's in the Bible. But now notice, here's here's a key word. And this word's been, I've used it a time or two in the last few weeks. He came to expose and root out your old operating system. Now, if the Spirit was an instant work, and and it was and is, okay, What he does in your soul, which is your mind, emotions, and will. 
thinking determines emotions that influence choices. Thinking, feelings, choices, mind, emotions, will. Amen. You still with me? So the driving force of the soul is the mind. The driving force of the soul is the mind. And Jesus came to root out your old operating system. But, but see, before he can root it out, he's got to expose it. He's got to expose it. What does that mean? See, because he's not going to change your mind without your cooperation, before you'll cooperate with him in the changing of your mind, you've got to be humble enough to let him show you where your thinking is wrong. Are you with me? Which means you have to be humble. You have to be teachable. You have to recognize that he's the potter, you're the clay. That he knows everything and he's, and, and, and he's teaching you. He's showing you what you already know that you don't know you know. I'll show you that in a minute. Amen. Amen. So he's got to root it out. You've heard me say this a time or two. I always want to recognize him for, for giving me these terminologies. Brother Donald, he, remember I told you he went to preach somewhere and the man who introduced him said, Brother Donald's bringing the word tonight. And you know, he, he, he can sometimes be controversial. And, and Brother Donald's you know, it's like, no, it's not, not, not controversial. The truth is not controversial. The truth is confrontational. When someone's believing a lie and someone else tells them the truth, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The dude believing the lie wants to say the dude telling the truth is controversial. He's not being controversial. His truth is confronting your lie. Amen. And you're either going to listen to the truth and give the word of God overriding supremacy in your life. Remember last week Peter said, remember we talked about last week Peter said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life, Jesus, and we've come to believe that you're the the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he didn't understand what Jesus preached that afternoon either. But notice where he was. He wasn't somewhere blowed up, mad, mouthing about Jesus being a, a phony and a fraud and not knowing what he's talking about. No. Peter recognized. I just was confronted with truth that I don't understand, that I need to know or else this man wouldn't be speaking that out of his mouth. So rather than run away and hide and talk bad about him behind his back, I'm going to hang in here and maybe later this afternoon he'll have some time to explain it to me. Do you see the difference in the attitude there? So when we say Jesus came to expose and root out your old operating system, your mind, and give you his operating system, his mind, this is what we call discipleship. This is, this is what discipleship is, is, is primarily about, the renewing of the mind. Exposing and rooting out the old operating system, the old way of thinking, which leads to continued doing and speaking, and replace it with a new operating system. Now, 1 Timothy 2, I'll finish here in just a minute. Thank you for hanging in here with me. Everybody good? You get anything out of this? Yes, maybe no, yes, I hope so. Praise God, I believe so. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Hebrews 10, 14, He has perfected forever, that's your born-again spirit, those who are being sanctified. That's the work, the ongoing progressive work that's taking place in your soul, in your mind, emotions, and will. So He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I used to think, as you've heard me say over and over again, coming to the knowledge of the truth meant getting saved. I mean, obviously you've got to come to the knowledge of of the truth of who Jesus is and what He did for you to receive that for yourself. But there are a lot of born-again people who have not yet come to the knowledge of the truth about some of the very basic things, some of the very simple principles, what what the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 5 called um, the, the, the basic oracles of God. Can you take a little more? Three more verses, amen. First, I put two of them on one slide. 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that, we may instruct, that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. We have the operating system of Christ. Let the operating system of Christ be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. One more verse 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now either this verse is wrong or you know things you do not know you know. And you know things that you do not know you know. The Holy Spirit's job is to take what Jesus gave you already and draw it out of you like water from a well. Now, I don't recommend you show up at the next family reunion and announce to everybody there that you know all things unless the Lord tells you to do that. But when your second cousin comes up to you and starts talking about trouble in their marriage and they don't know what to do, don't just look at them with pity. Because even though their situation may be different, you know what they need to do. Could I ask you to do something this morning and... and, and and I listen now, I, I've been asking you to do some things here of late, and I'm going to ask you to do this, okay? I'm going to ask you to quit saying you don't know what to do. Quit saying you don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do about them youngins. I don't know what I'm going to do about my wayward son. I don't know what I'm going to do about this problem with my ankle. I don't know what I'm going to do about this money in my bank. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't Do you have any idea how many times a day some of you say, I don't know what to do? What if instead you said, you know what? I know things that I don't know that I know. And because I have the mind of Christ and I have the anointing of the Holy One and know all things, I may not have the answer right now, but you give me a few minutes. Pastor Winston talked about a very wealthy uh, CEO of a corporation in Chicago made an appointment with him. And And he says to him, he says, Reverend, I've got some money designated. What can I do to help young black males in the inner city? Pastor Winston had no idea what that man was going to ask him that day. And this is what he told him. He said, sir, I don't have an answer for you right now. But come back in seven days 
and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do for young black males in the inner city. You see the answer right there? Now, he could have, he could have said, well, yeah, I don't know. That's a problem, isn't it? What are we going to do? I don't know. I'm out. You realize how much money you would take to make a difference in the inner city? I mean, you got millions because it's going to take millions. I mean, see, all kind of things that he could have just started mouthing. He checked his spirit, nothing from the Holy Spirit, you know, just immediately. But he's learned. See, it's what we need to learn. Rather than saying, oh, I don't know, sir, but, you know, we could probably come up with it. No, he says, so what did he do? He took it before the Lord. Father, here, I've been praying for interaction between businesses and, and the finances. and You know, what, what you do know one of his things is he started confessing that we're going to turn prisons into boarding schools. And that's happening in Illinois. That's happening in Chicago. Where, anyway, I don't have time to tell that story, but it's, it's phenomenal, right? All right now, so, so the man comes back seven days later. He's a businessman. He's a CEO of a multi-billion dollar corporation. So he puts together a PowerPoint, he, a presentation, a professional presentation. He said he was three slides into it. He said, that's it, Reverend. That's it. Handed him a check for $40,000 and said, I'll be back with more. If we would stop confessing that we don't know what to do and believe, acknowledge every good thing that's in you. Amen? Is that what Philemon 6 tells us? Acknowledge every good thing that's in you. Let me tell you what's in you. The mind of Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know things you don't know you know. You've been given things you don't know you have. What if we quit talking against God and started agreeing with Him. If He says you know, you know. Stand with me this morning. If He says you know, you know. So if you know, quit saying you don't know. If you know, quit saying you don't know. You know exactly what to do about your financial situation. You know exactly what to do about the situation in your marriage. You know exactly what to do concerning a, a, a wayward son or daughter. You know exactly what to do. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I've got a big decision to make. I mean, I, this, is, this is job. This is career. This is... Co- I, I, I have no- Don't you say it. Don't you say it. I don't know what I'll do. Who, who do you think wants you to keep on confessing you don't know what to do? Your enemy wants you to keep confessing that. Amen. 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 So what are we doing? We're downloading a new operating system. But in order for that to happen, see, if, if, we've, got, if, we've, got a, if we've got a wrong operating system in us, you can't just overlay. Remember we was talking about this last week. You, you can't have a view of the world that comes from the world and then just try to look through those same lenses and, and do a lens overlay of the word on it. It doesn't work. You've got to look away from unto. This is why the old operating system has got to be exposed. If we had two more hours, and we'll get there. I thought we would have got there last week. I thought we were going to get there this week. Maybe it's next week. Some of this stuff is, is setting us up of where we're going. But that is exactly why Jesus asked them in John 6, where can we buy enough bread to feed all these people? He didn't ask them, where can we get enough money? He, they had the money. But they were, they were, he, he deliberately asked them, where can we buy it? Because he knew they had enough money to feed 100,000 people. There wasn't enough inventory where they were. So guess what? Their money, their money was no good. It wouldn't help them. Couldn't, 
he intentionally asked them a question because he was trying to expose their dependence upon money. He was trying to expose their dependence upon money. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. Come on now, you with me? I'm going to say this and pray. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. If you look to money, you can only see as far as money will let you see. So that means when you have a problem money can't fix, you can't see an answer. So what is Jesus doing? He's exposing He's exposing what they're really looking to to fix problems. Amen. Father, you're good to us. Thank you so much for what you're showing us. Thank you so much, Father, for helping us connect with these things in a real and meaningful way, Lord. That, that, that Lord, it's not just making us feel better about ourselves on a Sunday morning, but, Father, it's it's changing the way we walk, Lord, that we are, we are be- becoming a people who walk more and more and more every day of our lives by faith in the Spirit, walking by faith in the Spirit, walking by faith in the Spirit, not looking at this world through a lens of the world that comes from the world, but Father, we are looking at this world from the fourth dimension of your heaven, of your word, of the spirit realm, of the way things truly are. Thank you, Father, for helping us become more oriented to what is happening and and, and where we need to focus our efforts and where we need to allow you to reveal things to us, Father. Thank you for loving us. Again, thank you for always being so patient with us. Thank you, Father, that, that even in our ignorance, you're not ashamed to call us your own. And thank you, Father, for helping us, Lord, live as you would have us live, representing you to those around us this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Um, We'll see you on Wednesday. See some of you in the morning, praise God. You be blessed. Um, Matthew and, and, and Vanessa will be back later this evening, so they'll be with us on Wednesday. Much love and good things coming.